Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Good morning. How is everyone? This is, this is lovely. Lovely. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Dave. Lovely to be here with you this morning worshipping. Um, today we're starting a new series, Hebrews 11, People of Faith. Faith. It's a funny word, isn't it? Have you ever been so sure of something? You like, you knew it in your bones. But in the end, it just didn't end up being the case. The outcome was not quite what you expected it to be. I mean, the classic, classic one, a sports game, maybe an AFL grand final, you're so sure your team is going to win, but they don't, and there is only heartbreak at the end, or perhaps, dare I say, a political election where you just could not see how anyone could possibly vote for the other candidate. What were they thinking? Or maybe it's the Bachelorette finale, Ellie and Becky, how, how could you choose that person? Why, why would you choose that person? No, I don't, I don't actually think this Bachelorette finale was that interesting, to be honest. I think it was telegraphed weeks ago, um, but that's all right. They say the only certainties in life are death and taxes. But is this true? How do we as Christians navigate this uncertain world we find ourselves in right now? Do we just hedge our bets and wait and see what happens and then join the winning side? Is there any way we can move forward with confidence? Well, today, you'll get all the answers. Today we start a new series, People of Faith, a three-week series we're doing here exclusively at Broadview. We'll be exploring three elements of what it is to be people of faith in Jesus um, as we work our way through Hebrews 11. Now, as we quickly move towards Christmas and the start of a new year, as a community, we'll continue to face together new opportunities, um, perhaps disappointments, perhaps unknowns, but generally a lot of excitement. And it's important for us to remember as a community that in following King Jesus, we share in the legacy of those who came before us as they put their trust in God. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and so we can trust in the faithfulness of God by fixing our eyes on Jesus. The three elements we'll be focusing on in the coming three weeks are seeking him, trusting him, and living for him. Each week, we'll journey a bit deeper into the chapter and build upon the week that came before as we explore the question of what does it look like for us as the community of Broadview Baptists following King Jesus together to be people of faith? Why don't I pray before we open God's word? God, as we open your word together today, I pray that we will meet with you that the Spirit of God would be in this place, meeting with each and every one of us, 
that we would collectively hear from you as the community of Broadview Baptist, that we, as your church, in this neighbourhood, would not only know your heart for this neighbourhood, but that you would place this same heart on ours. God, I pray that you would give us your heart today. As we meet together, hear your word, worship and pray, God, as we seek you, I pray that your spirit would move amongst us. May we hear clearly from you today. May we know your will, know your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, phones, tablets, turn, tap, do whatever you need to do to get to Hebrews 11, it should be up on the screen. If Take a look at that. Technology is good. Okay, reading from the start of Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients, the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought a God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Faith is a trust and confidence and assurance in God. It is a firm belief and expectation that God will perform all that he has promised in Christ. As one commentator put it, faith is the firm assent of the soul to the divine revelation that has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus. Most importantly, it is not trust in ourselves or the things of this world. It is not a blind faith, a faith without any reason. We have hope for what is to come because of what has gone before. Now in Hebrews 10, I won't go back and read through all of Hebrews 10, don't worry, um, but I do encourage you to go back and read it because it's a great little chapter. We hear how Christ has died once for all. In the person of Jesus, we have the perfect sacrifice for sins, such that no further sacrifice is needed. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is why we have faith. It is through this lens that we see the world. It was this moment in history that the ancients were looking forward to. But now we today can look back on it, a saviour that would forever make what was wrong right. So now when we look back at those who have come before and we see their face, we also see God's faithfulness to his people through history, which ultimately finds its completeness in the person of Jesus. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith we understand that we have a God who is a creator God, a creator God who formed a world with purpose and meaning. It was not an accident. You were not an accident. God had planned you and knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God wants to know you. He planned this world. He planned you. There was no mistake. 
By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Now, there's a, there's a whole sermon in just this verse and going back into Genesis 4 where this story takes place, but we do not have time today. It is 11.33 already, so don't worry. I won't go there. But suffice it to say, God wants more than just lip service from us, more than just a part of us or certain days of us. God cares about our heart. He will not be satisfied with anything less than your whole self. And now this is where I really want to land us today, in in verse 5 and 6. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We believe in a knowable God, a God that we can know, a God that wants to know us, a relational God. This is a uniqueness of Christianity, and we can easily take it for granted. God is not somewhere out there in the ether unknowable. Likewise, he is not a God who is far above us, looking down and using this world as his plaything. Our God is a God who came to earth in Jesus who was fully God and fully man so that we could know him. This is one of the defining points of our faith. It sets Christianity apart. It is the lens through which we see the world and the people in it. It impacts our entire worldview. Sorry, just just a guitar pick, better not lose that. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. You'll be happy to know that not even death is certain. I'm sure Enoch probably didn't pay any taxes either. That's a joke, yes, terrible one. You should pay your taxes. Um, In Enoch, we have a foretaste of what is to come in Jesus. God did not rescue Jesus from death. Instead, Jesus died and rose again, having complete victory over death. So that now we too, by faith, can have complete victory over death. And what did Enoch do that was so pleasing to God that he was whisked away instead of meeting death? What great feat did he achieve in his lifetime? What mighty works did take place such that He was so accomplished that God said, you are worthy, I am pleased with you, I will take you away. All it says in Genesis 5 is, Enoch walked faithfully with God. And the writer of Hebrews expands on this in verse 6. He says, and without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What three mighty feats must we achieve? I've broken them out. Really simple. Firstly, we must believe God exists. Simple, right? Secondly, we must earnestly seek him. 
maybe a bit more complicated. And third, finally, we must believe that He is for us, that He wants good, not bad for us, that He will reward rather than punish us. Yes, faith is trust and confidence in God, so believing in Him is a good start. But what does it mean to earnestly seek Him? To help us understand this, I want to read now from Matthew 26. To give you some background of where we are at in the story in Matthew at this point, Jesus has finally entered Jerusalem, the holy city, the place of God. A week earlier, he had entered to great fanfare. Could this possibly be the Messiah who has come to save us, the people thought? Earlier in the night, from where we pick up, Jesus and the disciples has, have just celebrated the Passover, God rescuing the Israelites, firstborn sons from death, but also releasing them from slavery to the Egyptians. The disciples are probably at this point hoping Jesus is going to do something similar for them. Right there and then, free them perhaps from the Roman oppressors. Yet Jesus instead is talking about his betrayal and death. We pick up in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go away there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners, Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus seeks out God by going to a quiet place and being alone with God. He spends time with God, talking to him, asking questions. Not once, not twice, but three times, he goes to spend time with God not to discuss different items or to, you know, just because he's got nothing better to do, but to keep going back and talking about that same one thing. And most importantly, he does not seek to impose his will on God. Instead, he asks that your will be done, God. God, what are you doing here? Please help me understand your will. I mean, Jesus is walking to his death and his human nature is saying, God, I, I don't want this. Maybe I misunderstood what you were saying. 
Are you sure, God, that this is how it has to be done? He looks to the Father to fortify him because he knows that God knows best. I mean, there's an interesting interplay with Peter in the middle of this where Jesus says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think no truer words have ever been spoken when it comes to seeking God and his will rather than our own. Jesus has made a way for us to speak intimately with God, a privilege we had no right, but that has been given to us freely by God through Jesus. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. You see, we are still humans though, and our flesh is weak, and the devil is still tempting us. So we must continually seek God, spending time with him, so that we do stay on the right path, so that we do listen to him, so that we do get a God's perspective rather than our own or rather than this world's. I've told this story a number of times to people, but hey, it works here, so, so apologies if you've heard it before, you'll hear it again. Before we even knew about Broadview Baptist, Maddie and I were at Ross Trevor, and for a number of years there, there was a growing sense at Ross Trevor that it was time to explore the process of planting a church again. We started to go along to prayer meetings at RBC to just hear from God about what he might be doing in this space. And to be clear, at this point in time, I had no plans to join a church plant. But you know, I thought it was a good idea, a good thing to do, so I was supporting it and I thought potentially there was ways we might support it. I certainly didn't think I was leaving Ross Trevor. I mean, we had lots of friends at Ross Trevor. I have family that goes to Ross Trevor. I mean, Elijah had finally just gotten old enough to go to kids' church. Do you know how amazing that was? I mean, we were comfortable. It felt like, you know, we were just settling into this next stage of our life there and staying at Ross Trevor would definitely have been easier at the time. God, though, I mean, he had other ideas. Broadview came along rather unexpectedly, I think perhaps for everyone. God had been doing something here for a number of years at the same time, preparing a way, and it just kind of clicked very quickly Things changed and suddenly we were talking about doing an adoption, a revitalization. And I'll never forget the day we were driving home from church um, and Maddie said, I think we're going to Broadview, Dave. And I remember the way she said it. It wasn't like there was a decision for me or her or us to make. More of a, I'm pretty sure at this point God has decided we're going there so we should probably start preparing because... You know, if that's what God wants, well, then that's what we're going to be doing. So let's just start trying to work out what that will mean. I think we're at a small group at Reuben and Jody's. We're going to a small group with them at the time. And I think it was only a couple of weeks later, and Reuben asked in just a conversation, he just brought it up, you know, Broadview, adoption, revitalization. Has anyone thought about this or considered it? What are people's thoughts? And I remember Maddie and I simply said that we were going. That there just wasn't really much more than that, that we just decided to go, and that was that. It was a very 
strange experience of being just completely inside of God's will. Jesus could say, your will be done, because he knew the ultimate truth that God is love, that God is for us, that God gives good gifts to his children. Enoch walked faithfully with God because he knew that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Maddie and I came to Broadview because we knew no matter how hard it might be or how uncomfortable it might make us, God was in it. And there is no better place to be than following him. And for the record, we are happy with how it all turned out. Don't worry, we're loving it here. Ultimately, when seeking God first above anything else, this is the question you'll have to answer for yourself. Do you believe that God is good? That he is for you and you can trust in his promises? Do you believe that God is really good? Maddie and I have both had the privilege of serving on Alpha teams for a number of years. For those who don't know what Alpha is, Alpha is a, a roughly 10-week course. It's an introduction to Christianity, and it's designed to introduce people who are exploring faith to Jesus. And I mean, it's an amazing course. I encourage you, if you are new to Jesus and have not done it before, to do it. And I encourage you, if you've been walking with Jesus for a number of years, I encourage you to think about leading or serving on it. I know Mark and Miriam are keen to get one up and going here at Broadview again sometime soon. And, you know, there's always more volunteers needed. And the thing I've found with Alpha is when you're introducing someone to Jesus on this course, God willing, there is normally a moment there that's like this aha moment where they suddenly believe God exists. They go from going, oh, I'm not sure about this whole God thing to like believing God exists. And it's this wonderful moment where you kind of see things coming together for them and everything starts to make sense and they know God is real. And it's wonderful, it's great. But as they continue to explore, God willing, there is this kind of almost secondary moment and it, it's different for everyone when it happens, but it's this moment when they know that God actually really loves them that God is for them, that there is nothing they have done or they can do which can separate them from this love. And you normally know you're at this point because there are a lot of tears. There's normally a lot of crying. Mark will tell you he's normally crying. But it's like this moment where the head knowledge has become heart knowledge. God loves me just as I am for me. I don't have to do anything. God has done everything. It is this amazing moment of understanding that God is for us and it is sitting in this knowledge and this understanding of God's love for us where it is possible for us to follow him and seek him and do his will. People often say, I find it so hard to hear from God or it's not clear to me what God would have me do. Now, I'm not any kind of subscriber to there is only one perfect answer to any decision you have to make in life, that there is only one perfect path you must follow and there's only one fairy tale ending for you and if you miss it, too bad. God doesn't work that way. God is the God of the second chance and the third and the fourth and on and on. I think people often, when they're saying this, they're saying things like, I have an idea about God, wants me, what, what he wants me to do, but I don't... I don't really want to do that, or 
I'm not really ready to do that. And so it perhaps then is not really clear to me. Maybe I didn't hear from God correctly. I mean, God has laid out pretty clearly, in my opinion, in his word, what we, you know, what, what he'd have of us. In his son Jesus, we have this perfect example to follow. And I'm not trying to sound trite here or something, but you know, I understand life is complicated and everyone's life brings its own specific differences and challenges. However, every day is a new day where God is giving you, God is giving me another chance, another day on this earth to seek him rather than ourselves, to choose him rather than ourselves. And so my question for you today is, what is God calling you into that you have not quite been ready to say yes to yet? We are coming to the end of a year, a year that many people in the world are no doubt happy to leave behind. A new year is almost upon us. Now is as good a time as any to say yes to God. We as a community here at Broadview Baptist have many exciting opportunities before us now and into the years to come. What is God calling us to as a new community here? If we earnestly seek God together, do you believe that God is for us? For when we truly understand that God is for us, that he knows us, he loves us, that he wants what is best for us, it is only then will we be willing to seek him, listen to him, and follow his will, individually and collectively as the Broadview community. Why don't we pray? Father God, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the one the ancients were waiting for, whose life, death, and resurrection makes it possible for us to seek you that whoever believes in him, whoever would follow him and call him King Jesus, that death would not be the end for them either, that they too will have victory over death. Father God, we pray that we would not only believe, but that we would seek you earnestly, that we would not let our own desires, our own wise thoughts or our own comfort get in the way of following you or of doing your will. Father God, help us never forget that you are for us, that you love us, that you want what is best for us, that you give good gifts to your children. We pray for our church, Broadview Baptist. Help us to be your church in this community, that we would seek you and hear from you such that we are doing the work you want us to be doing right now in this place, in this time. We know we cannot do it on our own. We ask that your spirit would be with us, strengthening and upholding us. We pray these things all for your glory, in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.